Welcome to the Equipping You podcast, where our mission is to equip Alliance pastors and leaders to live spiritually healthy lives and lead healthy churches. Equipping You is a ministry of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org. Hey, 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 welcome back to Equipping You podcast. This is the third special edition between season two and season three, because we know you can't wait uh, to listen to Equipping You podcast. We're coming to you today from uh, Colorado Springs, home of baseball-sized hail. Keep that word baseball in mind. I am Terry, and I lead church ministries for the Alliance. Just and I'm Alan, yes. apparently the uh, Director of Multiplication Eastern PA and the Regional Church Planning Guy in the Northeast. And I'll say it ahead of time, fan of the Boston Red Sox, who are the current world champions, but currently not in the playoff race very well. So that's right, Terry. Alan. Happy, Confession is good for the soul. <laughs> so speaking of baseball, I was going to ask you how the Red Sox are going to do in the playoffs this year. And the, the truth is they will not lose any games in the playoffs because they will not be in the playoffs. I so hope that they come back in this playoff race just so in season three I can have so much fun with you. And uh, they are staying home with the Miami Marlins. So perhaps they could get a little same story New Year two team <laughs> golf tournament together mm-hmm. somewhere. Anyway. Yeah, well, let's talk about our guest today, shall we? Yes. We'll change the subject uh, for your comfort level, Alan. <laughs> We're uh, pleased to welcome Dan Bowl. Uh, today to Equipping You podcast. Dan is the uh, director for Alliance Youth Ministry uh, here at the national office, a great team member who I really appreciate, a strategic thinker who loves the next generation that's coming up and is investing well uh, in them. And he's from Eastern PA, uh, Alan, originally. So. Yes, I had a conversation that we actually, uh, I was the MC and he was the speaker at a retreat and I found that out there. It's really cool. He's yeah. from not far from where I am right now. So we should probably get on with this thing called Equipping You Podcast. So uh, grab a hot chocolate. Is it warm enough or cold enough for that yet? Grab a hot chocolate, uh, kick back, relax. Here we go. All right, it's our privilege to welcome Dan Bowl, hey, Alliance yo. Youth Director here in the National Office. Welcome, welcome to the uh, official studio of the Equipping You podcast, Dan. Thank you, Terry. Thank you, Alan. It's a lovely studio. Thank you. We are glad it's you long like been it. one of my goals to interview somebody with a really long beard. Yeah, I know that people can't see it or hear it, but it is quite lengthy. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, they probably Perhaps just rub it on the microphone yeah, a little bit. <laughs> they probably, they probably, yeah, you're hearing it right now, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, oh, that's fantastic. That's a fun way to start an interview, I've never heard a beard it? before until now. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, uh, Dan, we are really glad you can kind of step in and give us a kind of State of Alliance Youth Ministry uh, today. And to me, there's a lot of exciting stuff for us to talk about, but we would like to start with your story. Uh, So tell us a little bit about you and uh, your call to youth ministry. So one of the values in the Alliance that I keep hearing periodically is that prayer is one of the primary works of God's people. And I think that that's true because I'm one of the results of people who are praying uh, for me as a teenager that I would come to Christ. 
I had four high school friends uh, that were all followers of Christ in a local church, and they were praying for me and praying for me for years. I mean, literally years, since junior high all the way through my junior year of high school, uh, until one day their youth pastor said, we've been praying for this guy, Dan, a lot. Have you guys ever invited him to church? <laughs> and they were like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. We should do that. So they invited me to come uh, to, uh, to a youth retreat, and um, while I was there— Francis Chan was speaking. This was when he was Fran, is before he was famous. Uh, and he gave the gospel message, and while he gave the gospel message, I surrendered my life over to Christ uh, that night. It was a really transformative experience, as, as anyone who comes to Christ will can attest to that. But it was literally the next day. I'm attending a, a seminar for Christians on what you should do next in your life as a follower of Christ. And while I was in that seminar, uh, they talked about potentially going into ministry, and the thought occurred to me and kind of blew up in my heart that maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. Uh, so as I walked out of that seminar room, there was an Army chaplain there, and his name was Captain Schaefer. And Captain Schaefer and I spent 10 minutes where he outlined on a piece of paper for me all the things I'm supposed to do next. For example, now that you're following Christ, you get baptized. After you're baptized, you start serving in church. Once you start serving in church and learn your gifts, uh, you ask God what kind of ministry he might have for you. And he laid that out for me in terms of being maybe an army chaplain, possibly going to seminary, being a pastor, being a, a broadcast radio person, uh, in all kinds of different ways to serve Christ as a Christian. And that began my journey uh, into youth ministry. So uh, when I was 19 years old, when I got off to Moody Bible Institute, I got plugged into a local church right away. My first Sunday there was the very first Sunday of the new youth pastor. And he said, hey, have you ever thought about being in youth ministry? And I said, nope, <laughs> never crossed my mind. And that started a two and a half year cycle of development and pouring into uh, where I fell in love with ministry to the next generation. That's great. So, so two things out of that answer that I'm still pondering, the whole idea of Fran Chan. Fran Chan. <laughs> and, and secondly, a picture of you in my mind uh, as an army chaplain with a boot camp haircut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, long hair and a beard's kind of my thing, you yeah. know, so uh, I'd much rather be a little bit of a hippie, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, tell us how you ended up being the uh, Alliance Youth National Director, Dan. So I was involved in our local youth ministry district uh, network, the North Central District, and there was a great group of youth pastors and youth workers there. We were actively involved in uh, district ministry between the camps. We were doing mission trips down to Minneapolis together, uh, it was just fun. It was fun to be a part of a movement of churches, not just be a part of a solitary church experience. And as I was going through that, I got to meet uh, James Grout, the previous director of Alliance Youth. We became friends. And as we developed a friendship, when his time here in Alliance Youth ended, uh, it just kind of coincided with a time when I felt God was sort of removing me uh, from my current ministry, removing me under duress. I think I think sometimes people think that they, they need to move on from ministry because like, oh, it's a good season to leave, whatever. But I, I left kicking and screaming uh, that local church. I was a part of a wonderful church, Riverside Church in Big Lake, Minnesota. Just love that people, love those people, love serving there. Uh, but I knew that there was this next uh, journey for my, Amy and myself. Amy's my wife. And I read in the back of Alliance Life magazine that they were now interviewing for the job. And so I called Dan Wetzel. He had no idea who I was. And I introduced myself and I said, hi, my name is Dan Bull. You don't know me. I saw the job posting. Are you still hiring? And he said, you're right. I don't know you. <laughs> Where did you come from and why are you calling me about this job? Yeah. Uh, and I, <laughs> it was, you know, it's typical Dan Wetzel, right? I mean, if you yeah. know Dan, he's just Classic, the most sure. stoic guy. 
and I was like, these are all good questions, Dan. I'm not sure why I'm calling other than I felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to do so. And actually, that started some conversation where four months later, Dan and Rosilio, who's our director of Church Advance here, uh, vice president of Church Advance, eventually just said, you know what? This is, this is the right fit. This is the right call. It's the right time. It's the right place. And they extended me the opportunity to come serve the Alliance family. That's great. I'm glad they did, and I'm glad you accepted. So, Dan, uh, you know, in your role, you get the privilege of seeing something really exciting happen often. But every three years, we have the exciting life conference, and this was one of those years. So tell us about some of the highlights from this summer's life conference. You know, it's the, the greatest highlight for me was probably the most intangible thing. Uh, it's not a number. It's not a story. It's simply the impression. And at previous life conferences, while it was certainly a festival-style event with great teaching and fantastic preaching and real life change, this was the first life conference I have been to that I will walk away saying it felt and I experienced a deeper life event uh, and we saw a number of students talking about the presence, the power of the Holy Spirit, the words they were hearing from the Holy Spirit, the callings they were receiving. And so it was without a doubt, uh, I think, more historical to who we are as the Christian Missionary Alliance, but it also a, a new era of this generation experiencing the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. That was probably one of the greatest takeaways from this life conference. And story after story of young person in churches are attesting to this reality. The second thing, which is much more tangible, uh, on uh, Saturday afternoon at 4 o'clock, we had a Called Ones seminar for everyone who was in the main session on Saturday morning who felt called into ministry or missions. And we had 333 young people and 94 adults attend the Called Ones seminar, and they were given a step-by-step -step process, much like my own story, by the way. I, I planned that seminar based on my own story. When I walked out and met Captain Schaefer, what am I supposed to do next? I took everybody in that room to the exact same process that Captain Schaefer took me through when I was 17 years old, uh, and we had so many people walk out of that room who now have a trajectory of greater ministry opportunity within the Alliance, but also an opportunity to grow personally more with Christ. So those two things were so powerful and so special uh, uh, to me and to those who are a part of that. I'm just really excited about the the work that God's going to continue to do moving out of Life Conference with those realities. So Yeah, really love, cool. love that. Yeah. Really do. So as you think about Alliance Youth right now, Dan, what, what excites you the most? Yeah. You know, I think the thing that excites me the most is the generation that we're working with right now. We have Generation Z. If you're unfamiliar with which generation is currently in youth ministry, it's no longer millennials. It's uh, all the millennials and elder millennials are the youth pastors for Gen Z. <laughs> uh, and so the conversation isn't about millennials anymore. Let's stop talking about them. Let's start talking about Gen Z. Uh, and the youngest of that is Gen Alpha. They're zero through five right now uh, in our churches. But Gen Z is probably uh, the most native to technology of any generation we've had yet, and they're growing up in these emerging technologies. What's really cool about that uh, is that they are blending these emerging technological fields with their call to ministry. And so a phrase I've been using for the last several months now to describe Gen Z, because uh, I just don't like Gen Z, especially if they're Christians. I like a more, a more Jesus-centered <laughs> name. Uh, I really like the name Ministry Inventors. Uh, they are ministry inventors. They are seeing opportunities that exist with their emerging technologies that, they, that we've never had. And they are thinking so differently about the way the church is going to express itself here and around the world that we have some really fun and exciting stuff coming up ahead of us. And they are very receptive to the gospel because 
they are receptive to the gospel, but also sold out for Christ when they come to Christ simply because they live in a, in a cultural climate that if you're going to be a Christian, you really have to be ready to take some heat for it. Uh, there was a cultural acceptance of Christianity for many years in the North American climate. Now there's a, a general sense of hostility, especially among Gen Z, where they're very open about their opinions about Christians being hypocrites and unloving and hateful people. Uh, and these young men and women who are choosing to follow Christ and start outreach clubs in their schools and use this technology to reach people for Jesus, they have to be a lot more bold and a lot more sold out, I think, than previous generations. I definitely would agree with that. I mean, I think when, when I was a youth pastor, we won't say how long ago that was, but I'm younger than Terry, and that's all that matters here. Um, <laughs> Surely, barely, Alan, it couldn't be that long ago. Than me. There, there Based on the fact that you have a goatee, in, I'm going to say in, 1995. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. No, I'm not going to go down there. Um, here we go. Back to focus here. Uh, anyhow, with, you know, when I was leading youth ministry, there were various, you know, clubs on campus that some of them were very active and some of them, though, somehow became popular and students were there that necessarily weren't sold out for Jesus, but they were just happy to be involved in that. But I think your assessment there is spot on. They really have to be actually in or out at this point to, mm-hmm. to be it because people will see right through it and not put up with hypocrisy. Yeah, it's an exciting time for the church. I mean, it really is. I know we're dealing with a lot of different issues on a national level as far as church multiplication and church advance and, and all those wonderful things to continue to reach our communities. But as Gen Z becomes our future leaders, it's going to get really cool. Yes, it is. So we know, Dan, that uh, the majority of youth ministries in the Lions churches do not have full-time youth pastors leading them. So what encouragement would you give to all the volunteer youth leaders out there in the Alliance? Keep on keeping on. Uh, that, that, that's, the, that's the simple thing. But to put it in perspective, here's the, here's the reality for those who don't know. We have, according to the 2019 church annual reports, which I hope are accurate, but if they're not, it's because our churches lied. We don't believe they lied to us, though, <laughs> right? We, we believe the good faith that what they Absolutely. say is true. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And so what they tell us is this. We have 1,584 churches that have one primary youth worker or more. So that means they have a volunteer who says, I'm the youth worker here at this church. Uh, Of those 1,584 youth workers, we have 209 full-time paid youth pastors. That means that 80-plus percent-ish of our youth workers are volunteer, full-time volunteer youth workers. These are the primary people in our churches. These are moms. These are dads. These are young adults. Uh, This is a solo pastor who's choosing to step into the role of being the youth worker. Lots of solo pastors are youth workers at our churches, by the way. Uh, And this, this is a unique aspect. They know and they feel confident that this is an important part of church ministry. But for the most part, churches have a hard time articulating why youth ministry is an important part of church ministry. And so um, most youth workers I know tend to feel a little bit isolated in in their own world, which I think is why Alliance Youth and and multiple youth ministry networks around the United States exist. They kind of create their own community of belonging, uh, which is good for support, but it's bad because it also keeps them isolated from the rest of the church. So my encouragement to you, youth workers, is simply this. You are a part of the church. Your students are a part of the church, and we need to find ways to make sure that your students and your young people are actually and actively engaged uh, and using their spiritual gifts inside the local church. I don't care about your youth ministry program. Your program is literally the last thing I care about inside your church. 
Uh, what I care about more is, are your young people experiencing Christ, and do they have a valuable role to play in the body of Christ, which is the whole church in which you belong? If you're doing that, doesn't matter what program you have. Truly, it doesn't. doesn't matter how many kids you have either. That's a great thought. Could you possibly elaborate on some ideas for uh, integrating them with the other generations of the church? Oh, yeah. Sure, I got all kinds of ideas. If you want ideas, <laughs> these are fun. Uh, <laughs> you know, so here's, here's one of the things I, I tell a lot of churches. I say, look at all of the existing ministries and environments that you have inside your church. One of your primary environments is your Sunday morning experience, right? Your hour, hour and a half long Sunday morning service. And churches tend to gear everything sort of around that hour because that's our corporate meeting time together. Uh, when you look at the number of roles available to be filled in a service, there's generally five sort of key roles. You have your ushers, your greeters, uh, you have your worship team, you have your pastor who's going to preach, you may have uh, your tech team, whatever it is. But there's like these little teams and roles that exist, about five or six roles. And then you have a certain number of people. So any given Sunday morning, why, let's say you have a church of 100, because since I think 80% of our churches are under 100, so let's work with 100 and less. Uh, you got 100 people coming together, and you have about 15 people using their gifts to serve that body on a Sunday morning, if we don't include children's ministry and nursery and youth group that might happen on Sunday. Well, I know a lot of really good teenagers who are better public speakers than their lead pastor, truthfully. Uh, and they could probably, uh, while they don't have the theological training, if the lead pastor was willing to invest in a little bit, there's no reason that a 15, 16, 17-year-old can't handle the Word of God effectively for 20 to 25 minutes on a Sunday morning. Uh, there's no reason that we can't have them on Sunday morning reading Scripture. There's no reason they can't be leading the worship team. They're gifted musicians, many of them. Uh, and, you know, you don't need a whole lot of math to be an usher and collect offering. About third-grade math, you know? So if you got, like, an 8-, 9-, 10-year-old uh, sitting in service, they're totally capable of collecting offering on Sunday morning, and they feel like they can be a real part uh, of that experience. One of the wonder stories I've heard, this is, um, I cannot remember who told me this story, but this is a good story. Uh, there is a team of ushers, right? The, the Typically, the guy's name is Phil. He leads the lead usher team. He's lead usher. They got an usher team, about five or six guys that do ushering every Sunday, Take always take the offering. <laughs> typically, the right. guy's name is Phil. Right. Yeah, his name's Phil. So just, that's kind of been my experience. It's Phil or Jerry or Jim or something. Yeah. Uh, and... And, you know, he's 60, this this guy particularly, he's 60 years old, and his grandson came to church. And all the other ushers were somewhere in their late 50s and 60s. They all had grandson, grandchildren, and his grandson came to church, and he had his grandson help him take offering. And that was pretty cool. Uh, and the next thing, you know, all the all the next, it was like the next Sunday over the next couple of Sundays, uh, all of these lead usher guys who have been doing this for 25 years all have their grandsons who are taking offering with them every single Sunday morning. And then they started creating like their own little guidelines. Like, hey, if we're going to have these guys take offering, hey, you know what? When you when you usher on Sunday, we want you to dress like this. It's just a way of saying we honor this role. And so they talked about, you know, here's how we're going to comb our hair and or brush our hair so we can look neat. Here's how we're going to treat people when they walk in the door. Here's the way. So they just created this intergenerational disciple-making experience, focusing on not all biblical things. Some of them were just preferences, Right. But it created the opportunity where those young men and women who were their grandchildren felt valued in the Sunday morning experience. Anything you do that allows the next generation to feel valued in the things that your church values most, like the Sunday morning experience, are going to be the things that allow your church to keep and attract and draw these young men and women and, and allow them to really thrive in your church context. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm thankful for those opportunities when I was a teenager in church to 
I, I uh, was given the opportunity to lead the Sunday school opening exercise every week. Well, yeah, we don't we don't even have those anymore. So you did jumping jacks? No, no, <laughs> the that Sunday was not morning the kind exercise. of opening exercise. No, so. he's saying climb, climb up Sunshine Mountain. <laughs> this was the adult, so we uh, we sang uh, Jesus only, Jesus ever, or something there we go. like that. And oh, that's much better, actually. I do think we sang Happy Birthday to people who had birthdays and that kind of thing. But anyway, that's fun. Uh, also, I had a chance to be an usher. Grateful for those who invested in my life. You talked about solo pastors who do youth ministry. My pastor did that when the church was small, and we'd come in on Sunday night, and he'd pull out this thing he called can of worms. So open the can, pull out a topic. <laughs> pull out a topic and let's talk I about it. I thought he was being creative. I realized later when I got into ministry, he hadn't had time to prepare anything. Very so. convenient <laughs> way to have good conversation yeah. and meaningful ministry. Really, he just did what Jesus did. He asked one important question and then let the dialogue continue. There you go. Being a very good there pastor. You go. And uh, <laughs> then we had volunteer youth ministry people. I appreciate those. I tip of the hat to those folks who are Working hard all week and still investing in the ministry of uh, of the church and investing in the lives of uh, teenagers and my one of my volunteer youth leaders went home to be with Jesus uh, a couple mm. days ago and I've been reflecting on the impact of her and her husband Pete and Myrna Porter on my wow. life and and my wife's life and then we got a youth pastor uh, a guy named Ben Chada and that was great we thought we had died and gone to heaven to have a real youth pastor <laughs> we got a real youth pastor in our yeah, he's in great. our church but anyway love all those who are investing in uh, in the next generation so uh, since most of these folks are uh, volunteer mm-hmm. sounds like 1300 and something quite a few uh, then how can a, how can a student ministry leader grow in their ministry field how can they become better equipped to do what God's called them to do yeah there's a lot of interesting ways to do this I, and when I look at Alliance youth and the Christian Missionary Alliance around the United States I really believe it's important for the volunteer youth worker to get engaged in their district youth worker network one of the biggest shifts that we've seen happen in the last decade is that at one time uh, if my if my report is correct, at one time, the Christian Missionary Alliance had over 800 full-time paid youth pastors. Wow. If that information is correct, I don't know. I, I'm not sure I trust it. It seems like a high number. Uh, but 800 full-time paid youth pastors. If that's true, then it makes sense that in the early 90s, when Alliance Youth started, and it came out of a variety of other ministries, that these youth worker networks predominantly focused on just paid youth workers. And that has existed for the last 30 years. The Alliance Youth Network has really focused our time on paid youth workers because it's easy to work with full-time people in ministry. But our focus has got to shift to focusing primarily on volunteers. So our district youth work leaders have got to be thinking about the churches within a close proximity to them that they can be investing in the primary volunteer youth worker. And we've got to create ways that are no longer during the weekday, probably on Saturdays and in evenings, where volunteers can step into those communities because it's in the, com- the regional network that they're going to find the support and prayer that they need. It's within the regional network that they're going to have access to events uh, and disciple-making experiences that they could not produce on their own. You know, for example, a district retreat or a district uh, missions trip or even just a, a district youth ministry disciple-making experience, whatever that might be. That happens with a network of people, not alone. So if you are a, a lead pastor of a church and you have a volunteer youth worker, 
your primary responsibility for that youth worker who's volunteering is to get them engaged in the district youth workers network. Love it. That'll be the number one thing that will transform their ministry. Good. Yep. Hey, I want to give a shout out to my Eastern PA district uh, youth workers, uh, youth pastors, because I watched them work really hard to try to include the volunteer youth worker, youth ministry workers in our district. And it's beautiful to see uh to see that partnership as it develops. Yes. Yeah. One of the primary ways that we're doing this from the national office uh, is that we have the next ministry conference. The next ministry conference is a one-day training focused on volunteer primary, uh, primary volunteer children's and youth workers. So it is not necessarily built around the professional, although we have great professionals leading our seminars and doing keynotes. What you'll find when you come to a next conference, wherever they're located, is that 80% of our attendees are volunteers. Uh, and this is critical to the next phase of youth ministry inside the Christian Ministry Alliance. So if there is a next conference within a three and a half to four hour radius of you, I implore you to make this a priority for your for your people. Totally agree with that. I attended one last year in the Twin Cities and have high appreciation for these uh, training events. Dan, hey, and if get... you're in the East, we have one scheduled here for November 2nd, which will be after this is released for sure. So you can hear about it on this podcast uh, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And it's a such a cheap price for such a great development opportunity. $25 per person if there are volunteers this, that are adults and Chick-fil-A lunches included in that. So wow. we're not going down the Popeye's chicken bucks route. By itself. We will but. include those notes in the show notes. So if people want to check those out, they're in the show notes, yeah. wherever you listen to this podcast. That, uh, That's the voice means, of AJ. He means that they will uh, be uh, showing the locations of the nearest Chick-fil-A, I think was what he was talking <laughs> about. <laughs> we don't have enough room in our show notes for that. All right. So we got to keep moving here, yeah, my we friend. Uh, we're glad to keep talking about this stuff, but... You know, I've heard lots of people say, you know, with the good intentions, that youth uh, are the church of the future. But I'm guessing you're not really happy with that actual statement. Why would that bother you? Well, because the biblical generation is everybody who's alive. <laughs> That's the first thing. <laughs> so, so in the Old Testament, when God refers to a generation, it's like everybody who's pretty much 12 years old and then up to 99 who's still living in the world. So uh, one, our understanding of generations is wrong. So if you're going to call them the church of tomorrow, then I don't think you have an appropriate grasp on what the generation of your church is today. Uh, but truly, uh, the second thing is, is a little more theological. Uh, the moment you become a follower of Christ and the Holy Spirit indwells you, you are given very specific gifts and you have the ability to yield your life fully to the filling of the Spirit and walk with the Spirit and exercise your gifts for the purpose of the kingdom. That can be done in a five-year-old's life. It can be done in an 85-year-old's life. And the same Holy Spirit in me is the same Holy Spirit in my daughters and the same Holy Spirit in my son and the children and the youth that I work with. And I have seen Amen. them do some amazing things in the kingdom because, you know what, they don't fear as much as adults do, uh, which is part of their brain development. And I think it's probably, probably one of God's good gifts is that teenagers are less fearful, therefore they're more willing to take risks for Jesus. Uh, if, if we can cultivate that the right way. Uh, but more importantly, you want life and energy in your church, then the next generation is who brings life and energy, right? I mean, they, they have movement, physical movement, body movement, and that, uh, that does a lot for a local body of Christ. So no, the church is, uh, youth are not the church of the tomorrow. They are the church of today, uh, frankly, because the word church means ecclesia, which means body, which means people, and we all have this many parts, but it's only one body. That's a theological preaching moment there. Amen. 
Loved it. So, uh, Dan, give us a couple of ways real quick. How student ministries changed in the last decade? It's yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, which one to start with first? Let's start with biblical literacy. Generations that are in church now are the least biblically literate generation uh, of any Christians that are being raised. They're also growing up in a world where, uh, because they're biblically illiterate uh, and because they are not focusing on the disciplines of being in God's Word and being in prayer, and that has been de-emphasized uh, quite a bit at the local youth ministry and church level, then uh, the rest of their time they're immersed in a culture that has completely anti-Christian values uh, submerged in it. So really practical outplaying of this. Lots of the teenagers in our churches will tell you they love Jesus. Uh, they'll tell you that they want to follow after Jesus. They know that their parents probably disagree with homosexuality, but they don't necessarily. Uh, not that they are for homosexuality, but they just can't see a distinction. You know, how, how would it, if we preach God's love, how is it that we have this person here that we're supposed to love, but yet we, we can't engage them or belong with them or have them be a part of our communities? They're, they live in such a culture of tolerance and acceptance that even a, a line of biblical truth that, uh, s- that makes a distinction that doesn't allow for them to fully accept someone for who they are, as they are, where they're at, uh, feels very much foreign to their, to their reality. So that's one of the biggest changes is that the major things that the church has stood on for millennia uh, are currently a little bit more in flux because of the biblical illiteracy of this generation. And so youth workers that get their students to become self-feeders of God's Word, people who read God's Word regularly, commit to meditating on it and memorizing it, will see students who can stand firmer in their faith, and then who act much more like prophets uh, in their culture versus just participants. Yeah, that's the biggest one, and I don't want to spend too much time on all the differences, but I think uh, biblical literacy is going to be a big deal. So... Um, when you think about uh, obstacles that youth are facing in the world today, it's different, obviously, than it was in the past. How what 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 are they really facing today that the, their youth leaders need to know? This is the loneliest generation that's ever existed, predominantly because of their emphatic use of social media. Social media produces uh, a cognitive feeling of relationship and connection. But relationships have always been meant to have always been meant to be had in a face-to-face, uh, in-person kind of context. So, where it used to be that you had to go to youth ministry on Wednesdays or Sunday uh, morning church service to be together with people and to fellowship, now they're constantly with their friends. They're in group chats till one o'clock in the morning with their ten best friends. Like they never stop hanging out with each other, but they're not hanging out with each other in person. As a result, they're having significant feelings of isolation and loneliness because the stuff that they can communicate through their social media uh, or through their text messaging is not the same kind of in-depth outpouring of the soul, or it it doesn't necessarily allow you to pull out the one another's of the gospel well. And so as a result, they're lacking in the fullness of a church body experience simply because they're constantly immersed inside their technology, and therefore they're extraordinarily lonely. Uh, suicide is uh, constantly, we're seeing an increase in suicide among this generation because of the loneliness and isolation, uh, along with some other cultural factors. And so we have got to find a way as a church to ensure uh, that we are creating spaces that are essentially technology-free and relationship-focused. Uh, and not, not to just say that they have to fast from technology, that we have to take it away at church, but that the intention of the time together is face-to-face, not with inside of our social means or media mm. means. 
Wow, that's some rich stuff. Thanks a lot, Dan. Yeah. Appreciate what you brought. Yeah, this has been fun. I'm really, really glad that you guys invited me to come on your podcast. I know that uh, you know we're trying to stay within a time frame here. There's so much more we could talk about in these areas. And if you are a local church pastor and you are wanting to di- you know discuss some more of this, you need to know that Alliance Youth at the National Office seeks to serve the local church. We are here to serve you. So reach out to us. Let us know. We have youth workers near you that we can get you in contact with. I'm happy to meet with you and talk with you about what your church is doing for youth ministry. I believe in the next generation because they can do so much uh, for Christ if we give them the opportunity and invite them in uh, to belong in our churches to do that. And you have a podcast too, right? We do. We have the Next Ministry Podcast, and uh, you can download that and see it. Just so you know, still true, we are the seventh most listened to youth ministry podcast in the world, by the way, in terms of number of downloads. So we have significant influence and great guests uh, on that podcast. Love to have you guys check it out. Yeah, we're the... We're the number one listen to equipping you podcast in the world. So, yes. Uh, uh, we, 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 un- we understand success, Dan. We really do. I, I, that, yeah, maybe I was tooting my own horn there a little no, bit. No, you weren't. It's okay. You can shoot all you want, man. <laughs> just, just ripping on you a little bit. Hey, really appreciate you. This is a man who has a passion for the next generation. And uh, yes, a know how, a know how to do youth ministry. So if you're listening out there and uh, you need some help, feel free to contact Dan. I know he'd love to have a conversation with you, and I think you'd benefit for, benefit from that. Dan, thanks for taking the time to be with us. Hey, today. thank you, appreciate it. All right, hey, see you later. So great stuff from uh, Dan Bowl. Allen used to be a youth pastor or early in your uh, ministry. What do you think of what Dan had to share with us today? Well, aside from being offended and his uh, calling my little uh, closer to a soul patch a goatee, I thought Dan (laughs) had a lot of great stuff to offer. Seriously, Um, man, I appreciate him because he's not, he gets youth ministry. It takes it seriously, takes disciple making among students uh, seriously. And my heart is encouraged listening to him. I totally agree with that. So, um, We just assume that people love this podcast because we love doing it. So uh, if they do, what should they do, Alan? Well, they should share it with their friends on social media uh, or right through the Apple podcast app or the Google podcast app or through Podbean, whatever they can, because the more we share it, the more people are encouraged and equipped to serve our Lord. So equipping you live webinar is coming up uh, Thursday, October 17th at noon Eastern time. We'll be coming to you from Grace Church in Cleveland, Ohio, on the subject of preaching, effective, effectively communicating God's word. We'll have a panel of presenters. So uh, soon you'll be able to uh, register for that at uh, equippingyou.org. And uh, so we hope you'll join us for that day on that live webinar. In November, we'll be doing season three recording for equipping you podcasts. So I know you're sitting on the edge of your chair uh, waiting for that uh, to come out sometime in December or early January. We really appreciate you listening and uh, hope that you feel you benefit from this time uh, that you give us to uh, uh, be in your lives. So God bless you and uh, your ministry and keep the faith. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and rating our channel. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.